the very first time I ever taught on the gifts of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit and His gifts, I was in my 20s. How many of you know that when you're in 20s, you just don't know anything? <laughs> I mean, you really don't know much of anything. Wow, there's a lot of agreeers out there. <laughs> yeah, in, in my 20s, I would not give you a plug nickel for many of the sermons I preached in my early 20s. Okay, I just wouldn't. I mean, I, um, I started out in a church as an intern, and, and actually it was the fastest growing church in our particular city, a city of a million people. And um, the pastor took me off in his office and said, look, you're, you're new at this. Uh, you're going to preach in this church. And this was a church that had two services on Sunday morning, one on Sunday night, one on Wednesday night, and whatever else we wanted to do anytime we wanted to open the doors of the church. He said, I'm going to give you a month's notice here, four weeks out, you're preaching this Sunday morning on this date. I thought, oh, no, I've only got a month, right? And uh, I've got only got a month. And so this was on a Wednesday morning. And I came into the office on Thursday morning, and my pastor had had a heart attack the night before. And I was the intern on staff, and uh, the pastor's son was an associate pastor and the only other pastor in the church was an um, elder pastor, nearly 80 years old, um, named Parvin Lee. He was my mentor. One of his job assignments was to mentor me. I'll never forget that man as long as I live. There was a note on my desk, Pastor Zink has had a heart attack. You're preaching Sunday morning and every Sunday morning after that until further notice. And I was just a snot-nosed kid. I mean, I'm... Big church, you know. And um, I had been working on five sermons, right? And I, I thought I had one of them done. I stepped in the pulpit, and 10 minutes after I'd started, I'd preached all five sermons. I, I didn't, you know, I was out of material, fresh out of material. And so I just took off with something that the Lord told me to say. And then in the next staff meeting, Parvin Lee said, I just think it's a wonderful thing that um, as ministers, when we run out of stuff, you know, God will just tell us, share your testimony. And that's what I did. I shared my testimony. And, um, but I started working on the series of the Holy Ghost back then because I'd been raised Baptist. Now I'm a Pentecostal preacher, and I don't understand the gifts of the Spirit of God. But do you understand that there's a lot of people out there in Pentecostal churches that don't, don't come anywhere near understanding the Holy Spirit and His gifts? And I'm not going to try to sell myself off to you as some expert on the subject. Only I'm going to tell you that God created me the way he created me, and he made me very spiritually curious. And I like to talk to him and ask him questions because he's not afraid of questions. You, you ever met somebody that maybe you worked for, they had authority over you, you asked them a question, they got intimidated and they got angry. God's not like that. God loves it when we ask him questions. You can't back God into a corner uh, no matter what question you ask. It just doesn't matter, you know. Uh, you can look at a situation in your own personal life and say, well, this is a no-win situation. If I do this, this will happen. If I do this, this will happen. There's no such thing as a no-win situation if you interject God into it. Amen? People were calling me this week. I, I, I normally, I get, I get calls from people. They're saying, let, let me bounce this off of you, and they'll tell me something that happened to them that in the natural, if you look at it in the natural, you realize that um, they've been slighted. Have you ever been slighted before? 
But, however, God said, don't, don't say that. Don't say it. And I opened my mouth, and here's the words that came out. And I already shared it one time this morning. I've been talking about it because God brought me to it to help us all understand something. You may have been done wrong in your lifetime. I may have done you wrong. I can do it. I'm capable. I'm well able. I can do it. I'm just as human as anybody in the room. However, if anyone living in the natural ever had a reason to point their finger at somebody and say, I'm going to cut the head off of every one of you because you did me wrong. It was Joseph. Isn't that right, Connie? Joseph looked at his brothers, gathered them around, crying, weeping, telling them, you did, not, you did not bring me here. God brought me here. You go, but what we sold you into slavery. We, we, we sold you to the caravan going to Egypt. But it didn't matter. None of that mattered. God brought me here this hour that you might be saved. Right? That a remnant would be saved. And Joseph had a very clear understanding of that and wept with his brothers and hugged them. They still had doubts, fears, and concerns after that for a little bit, but he outlived all that in their lives. When you think you've been slighted or done wrong, and you say, well, look at it. I mean, this person said this and did this, and then this is this. Flush the toilet. Get rid of that stuff, because I'm telling you, God loves you. He's looking out for you. And just because you didn't get the thing that you were wanting to get doesn't mean that God wasn't watching over you. Amen? Look, everybody in this world that thinks they're in charge, God's in charge of them. Amen? And, and somebody needed to hear that. Somebody on this broadcast needed to hear that. So let's just keep our perspective right, child of God. We serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords. God is on the throne, and he's never gotten nervous and stood up and paced for anything. Amen? And I'm telling you that once Jesus got seated next to him, the only time I have record of him standing up is when Stephen was martyred. What an honor. I wept like a baby the first time I saw that when Stephen was martyred, he looked up and saw Jesus standing. What? What an honor. What an honor. What an honor. Stephen saw Jesus standing. All right? Jesus stood in honor of what Stephen suffered. Mm, mm, mm. And how, how quick um, would we be honored and humbled to be recognized by Jesus for looking at the situation going, praise God. I don't know why that person said what they said or did what they did, but Jesus, you are watching over me. I, I do not, I refuse to believe the devil was getting away with anything, right? Because I'm a child of the king, right? And God's got something better for me. Everybody needs to hear that. Everybody needs to know that, all right? So, child of God. All right, uh, get ready to be unnerved a little bit. Can you just listen to me today and not get upset? Can you just do that for me? Don't get upset. Look, if I, I can tell you right now before I ever say a word about the sermon, I'm not 100% correct about everything in the Bible. I'm not. And guess what? I'm not going to be. All right? But I do endeavor to pray, God, help me. Please help me. But is it possible? Answer this question for yourself here this morning. Is it possible? That the devil has had a little influence in the church. I think we let him get away with some things. Heresy creeps into the church on the back of truth. Did you know that? It sneaks into the church 
on the back of truth. Is it possible that even we as children of God who love God have allowed certain things to happen in our Christian experience? For example, where we allowed experience we've had to take precedent over theology. That we've allowed what we've seen and what we heard and what we determined how it came about to take precedent over the book. We, we, need, we need to root that out. And the reason why we've never really spent a lot of time thinking about it is that we, we don't think that we've, um, we're better than that. We're smarter than that. We wouldn't let that happen. People do it all the time. I, I'm telling you as a counselor that I see people all the time allow some experience they've had in their life override theology. I don't care what I saw and what I heard. If it's different than the book, I ain't going to eat it. I'm not going to live my life by that experience alone. That's why I told you the gifts of the Spirit of God, no matter what you see happen, what, if a person opens their mouth and says something that's not in English, just because they did that doesn't mean it's God. Amen? It doesn't mean it's God. Especially if the words coming in their mouth don't line up with the book. All right. All right, now get ready to be blown away. You ready? And it isn't because I'm smart. I'm telling you, the questions come up on the inside. I mean, I've been digging. I've been digging. I've been digging. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's start at verse 1 again. Um, I may not get through everything on Word of Wisdom Day. Is that okay with you? I, I hope so. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Do, do you understand? God wants you to understand the Holy Spirit and His gifts. But I'm telling you, there's no, there's no more uh, uninformed subject running around in the church and the Holy Spirit and His gifts. I've never, I don't know of another one, all right? You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute God, idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Can you hear me? All right. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So no matter what Spirit gift, the gift that the Spirit uses you, it's for everybody's good. Amen? It's not to promote you. It's not to promote you, all right? For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, to another the same Spirit. I like the King James Version because I was used to it. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And it's, it's, it's apropos because God's just given you a word. He's given you a little piece of his knowledge and a little piece of his understanding, a little piece of his wisdom. Not all of his knowledge and all of his wisdom. Matter of fact, I'm convinced we couldn't handle it. We just couldn't handle it. We aren't, we aren't built for it. We're only built for little doses. All right? Uh, but he'll, he'll give us a lot, you know, but he'll prepare us for it. Amen? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. That's where we get the fact that the gifts use you, you don't use them. 
All right. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized in one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You know, there are other passages of Scripture that I could dig to real quick, but you remember, we're supposed to desire these gifts, are we not? I want to challenge you to do something. Don't get upset with me. But these questions have been arising. And, and I, I want you to know that um, my thinking is kind of moving in a solid direction, what I call a solid direction. I didn't see anywhere in there. Even when you go to the scriptures where it says, the, the King James Version says, covet the best gifts. Desire the best gifts, right? You don't find anywhere in there. And, 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 that was written to Christians, right? How many believe it was written to Baptists? Come on now. How many believe it was written to some Episcopalians that are trusting Jesus to get to heaven? How many of you believe it was written to some Catholics that are trusting Jesus to get to heaven? How many of you believe it was written to some people in Life Stream Bible Church? Amen? How many of you believe it was uh, written for people in the Assembly of God Church down around the corner at Muldoon Community Assembly of God? Amen? How many of you believe it was written to some of them Church of God people down what I call the bottom of the hill in Eagle River? Amen? Does it exclude any of God's children? No. And nowhere did I read. First, get filled with the Holy Ghost overflowing and begin to pray in tongues and then covet the best gifts. Am I right or wrong? So, is there anything wrong with me encouraging children of God to covet the best gifts? Look, how God wants to work it out after that is His business, right? All right? Look, all I'm trying to say is that I've known of people that didn't, we don't know if they ever prayed in tongues a day in their life, but were some of the most spirit-filled and led Christians I've ever met in my life. Now, does that or does that not go against the grain of many Pentecostal church teachings? It goes against the grain. But what have I harmed? What have I hurt? What have I done by pointing that out? What does it hurt a Christian who doesn't even know anything about, you know, the Holy Ghost being filled, the Holy Ghost overflowing and praying in tongues, to fall upon this passage of Scripture or these passages of Scriptures then read the word, covet the best gifts? If God wants to take them through the infilling of the Holy Ghost first, he'll do it. Amen? But I'm telling you, the way we've taught it, there are children of God that avoid this chapter for that reason. They're afraid of what God's going to do to them. Look, let's face it. God said, I'll use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And so, don't you think tongues is one of the most, you know, one, that, one of those things that God's chosen to confound the wise? And yet, God says when we're praying in tongues, when we're truly praying in tongues, we're praying, listen to me, we're praying the mysteries of God. Isn't that powerful? So I encourage everybody, I encourage everybody to get filled with the Holy Ghost overflowing and, and let all of God's you know, gifts move through you or whatever. But stop getting in the way and trying to tell people, well, whoa, whoa, whoa it's got to happen like this. No, it's got to happen like this. I'm telling you that the most important things in the Word of God always have all of the, the um, what a word I want to look for here, the preceding, 
things, the things that you need to happen first, they're listed there. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're listed there. I can tell you right now, there just doesn't need to be as much confusion in the body of Christ over the Holy Spirit and His gifts as we allow them to be. Because some of us are so smart. We've got the boxes all filled and compartmentalized, and we've got the lids closed. We only open the lid on the box, and we want to take that one thing out, you know. And then we want to handle that and all. Then we want to put it back in and close the box and put it back in its cubbyhole. God forgive us for all the times we've put up roadblocks to the children of God that could have been being used by the Holy Ghost. Well, I, you know, it's like my oldest boy, Aaron. Little bitty fellow, all dressed up for church. We're having a children's crusade. Pastor Dwayne was at our church. And he said, Aaron, I'm going in to pray. Uh, for a while, do you want to go with me? Aaron said, yes, I do. Aaron's in his little vest. He's all cute, little bitty fella. He said, I took him into the sanctuary, and I started walking around the altars, and I raised my hands, and I started praying in tongues. I'm walking in there. For 30 minutes, I'm praying in tongues. Finally, I opened my eyes to look for Aaron. He said, Aaron's just standing there staring at me. I said, Aaron, do you want to pray like that? He said, oh, Pastor Dwayne, I can't pray like that. I'm just a little preacher. <laughs> I can't pray like that. I'm just a little preacher. And I remind that full-grown man in his 40s of that today. Amen? I do. I remind him of that. But we complicate things. Let's just, let's just, let's just stop right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to be good teachers. We want to be responsible with your word. But, Father, root out anything in our lives that we have tried to, you know, box things up and, and we've tried to make things neat looking and we tried to present things in, in uh, the wrong kind of wisdom. Lord, forgive us for all that. Just help us, help us, Father, to teach people, go after God. Go after God in Jesus' name and, and, and take all that uh, you'll give them, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, it's about, it's about being slain in the Spirit. I, I believe in it, um, but I have caught people before and told them, because God told me to tell, tell them, whisper in their ear, tell them, stand if you can. And take all God's got for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That way you eliminate those times when people fail as it was fashionable. Because when people fall when it's fashionable, they belittle the real. Because the real's out there. Being slain in the spirit, it's in the Bible, amen? Uh, it's things like knocking soldiers down in the garden of, uh, when they came to get Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit knocked them down, right? for a reason when God knocks you down he knocks you down for a reason and it ain't so that you make sure that you're meeting everybody else's expectation because we're going to be returning to that the Holy Spirit don't show up that he don't knock some people down and operate on them all right but let's let it let's don't belittle it let's don't get caught up in it because you know, get mad if you want. You know what? I say that sometimes, and I, I don't care. You get mad. If I stand before God, I'd rather you be mad at me for hitting you with the truth than him be disappointed and mad at me for not telling you what you need to hear. All right? Let's let God's real stuff flow. All right? And let's don't belittle the real stuff and confuse people. All right? So at Life Spring Bible Church, they'll say things like this. Yeah, you might get knocked down in that sanctuary, but if you do, Trust me, God doing something to you because they don't play. We don't play at Life Spring Bible Church. Amen. That, that's just, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But, yeah, well, but now listen to me. 
But see, but see, if you say stand if you can, or if you can't stand, and God knocked you down, God knocked my grandmother down. She laid there for 45 minutes, and he did cancer surgery on her. You understand what I'm saying? She went down with cancer. She was scheduled for a physical operating room the next morning, but when she got up, she didn't have cancer anymore. That's why, like, when I, when I, how I feel about being slain in the Spirit, what do you think God anesthetizes you for? Just so it look good? You're special, so I'm going to knock you down. We better be careful with that stuff. You're special. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong about that, you know. But God doesn't knock everybody down. All right? And once again, I'll say this. There's going to be people in your life that if you're in services where people are seeking the Holy Ghost and they want to be filled, you, everybody in the room, you and everybody will know that person got filled with the Holy Ghost because everything was there except the bolt of lightning. You might have even heard the thunder. You understand what I'm saying? And boom, they hit the ground, their arms went up, and for hours we carried a person out later that was still praying in tongues, right? But that doesn't happen to everybody. Matter of fact, I say, oh God, come on now. Come on now, Father. It makes it difficult for those 99% of the other people who don't get filled that way. Most of the time, being filled with the Holy Ghost isn't that dramatic. But lots of times, enough times it is. And the devil wants to tell everybody in the room, you didn't get filled because that didn't happen to you. For whatever reason, that person needed to be struck that way by God and they got it. All right? How do you get, Kathy, how do you get anything from God? Isn't it by faith? Anything you get from God. Unless God's just moving by sovereign power, which he does. But we find out in the word of God that faith moves God more than anything. Right? So if you lift your hands to heaven and ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit to overflowing, exercise some faith. He loves you. Any voice you hear at that point, any thought that comes up in your mind, especially if the word unworthy comes up, you're listening to the wrong spirit. That's the lying devil trying to keep you from getting something that will change your life. All right? All right, I'm upset with the devil a bit, and that's okay. I'm tired of him lying to the children of God, getting away with it. You know what? I want to do something here. Um, Every, anybody get uh, you get your question sheets? You got them? You know, the first question is easy. It says, the Bible plainly states that blank divides the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit to everyone severally as blank wills. And we know that that's the Holy Spirit as He wills, right? It's not, it's not even as you will, right? It says He wills. The Bible plainly states that the Holy Spirit divides the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit to everyone severally as He wills. The answer to number two, I, I got it from the King James Version. You might not like that, but number two, God has all knowledge and all wisdom. How much does he reveal to man? I wrote a word. It's, it's a small piece of the information, right? It's not all of God's knowledge or all of God's wisdom. We couldn't handle it, amen? What is the word of wisdom many times confused with? Stop right there. I'm not even going to answer that one. I'm going to, I'm going to the message here, and we're going to start picking up. Regarding the Scripture, to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, 8. People sometimes call these gifts of wisdom, 
or gift of knowledge, sometimes they call it prophecy. Now, it's easy to fall into that because we absolutely, don't we love the prophets of the Old Testament? I love them. They're, they're magnificent. But they're so magnificent that we make the mistake of putting them on a pedestal when they're there in the Old Testament to set an example for us, right? That if we sell out to God and we're obedient to God and we listen to the Spirit of God, the same gifts that used them, those were the gifts of the Spirit moving in their lives. It wasn't that they were so, so special that they were so much better than us, so much more special than us that they got used by God. No, God started giving us glimpses into the power of the Holy Ghost even in the Old Testament. We call great men like that prophets in the Old Testament because they, what we call, prophesied. They prophesied. Even the Old Testament, even the Bible says it. We can't belittle that, right? But what we did when we moved that, because in the New Testament, it wasn't like that. In the New Testament, if you look at the simple gift of prophecy, and I'm not even teaching on that today, but the simple gift of prophecy is what we call it in the New Testament as it pertains to the gifts of the Spirit of God is it's the same as the tongue and interpretation in the church where the church is uplifted and edified. If you've ever heard um, tongues and interpretation or someone stand up and what have we always called it if they stand up and just start talking in english when language we can all understand they're prophesying but they do the purpose of the words coming out of their mouth it could be a delivery system for a lot of the gifts but it actually is for the edification and the uplifting of the church because it says that it's equal with tongues and interpretation now i'm not trying to confuse you but prophecy can be a vehicle by which God can say anything he wants to say, right? But just because you get in a car and drive a car doesn't make you a car. You just get transported somewhere. Prophecy can be a vehicle through which God uses to give a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. You say, well, Brother Dennis, why does that matter? Why do you give a care about that at all? Because we need to understand prophets were recognized for their office gift, the, the office of a prophet, because they very often gave words of knowledge and words of wisdom. The Holy Spirit used them in a lot of the gifts of the Spirit of God. They raised people from the dead. Did they not? They revealed secrets that were in present time and past about things they gave. Do you understand that God gave apostles? He gave gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what makes an apostle and, apostle, an, an apostle and a prophet different from those other guys? Apostles and prophets have the fruit of the gifts of the Spirit of God in operation in life. Many of them. Apostles. For you to have apostle status, all the gifts of the Spirit of God. You have that stamp of the Holy Ghost on your life. If you're an apostle, and you know what? If you're an apostle, you never have to open your mouth and tell anybody you're an apostle. They'll see by the fruit on the tree. They're an apostle. A prophet or a prophetess, gifts of the Spirit of God. You just, you know, um, Kathy, you know what I'm talking about. You just, sometimes you just know things. You didn't know something, and then you know it. But me, look, look, I'm a pastor. I have a pastor's heart. 
And God speaks to me a lot about things, especially about what to preach, what to teach, what to say. But I'm no apostle. I'll tell you that right now. Don't ever mistake me for an apostle. Don't ever mistake me for a prophet. Don't do it. I have a pastor's heart. I love the word of God. I love the people. I love the will of God. I love it when God says something to me. It's great. It's dynamic. But I'm no apostle and I'm no prophet. Right? And I'm not wearing a sign that says I'm one. All right? All right. So do you understand that we get this idea that a prophet is a prophet in the New Testament. A prophet's a prophet in the New Testament because they're marked by the use of the gifts of the Spirit liberally in their lives. Does that make sense to you? Let's get it right. So yes, they were prophesying in the Old Testament and we equated it with their ability to tell the future. But it wasn't just that they were a prophet, it was that God was giving them, the Holy Spirit was giving them a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Does that make sense to you? Have you ever heard that taught before? Really, have you ever heard it taught before? Look, it helps your understanding if you know what's going on and you know what to expect if the Holy Ghost starts to use you. Now, I will tell you this. Can God use you in a word of knowledge? Yes. Can God use you in, in, in a word of wisdom? The word of wisdom is probably the most powerful gift out there. When God starts talking about the future, because he knows the future, right? More often than not, a word of wisdom shows up in a prophet's life why let's just say let's just say um julia the holy ghost came on her and she stood up and she started giving a word of wisdom about the future and and tomorrow it all came true and all we we would admire her pretty good wouldn't we yeah and then next sunday she stands up and gives another word of wisdom from the lord and the next sunday she stands up and gives another word of wisdom from the lord and all of a sudden consistently julia is being seen used by god uh with this word of wisdom and a word of knowledge is going on and then she's laying hands on the sick and and she's raising up cripples and blind eyes are being healed and you know like an apostle right what's it time for julia to do it's time for julia to quit her job do you understand what i'm saying in other words take up the office that the holy spirit seems to be using her in don't be upset if every other day a word of wisdom from god isn't coming to you don't be upset if every other day a word of knowledge isn't coming to you. Don't be upset if you went to a funeral and ran everybody out of the room and tried to raise somebody from the dead and it didn't happen. Don't worry, you don't have to get upset, but I know a bunch of people that will. So what am I saying? Use some spiritual common sense when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit of God. We're to covet the gifts. We're to covet them. God use me, God use me. God, use whoever you will because it benefits the entire church for us to hear from God, does it not? Right? But most of the time, and if you see a lot of the gifts of the Spirit of God moving in somebody's life, they feel one of the office ministries, one of the gifts of the church or the office ministries, apostle, prophet, and evangelist mostly, get used by a lot of the gifts. Apostles, more than any, Prophets right after that, and evangelists right after that, and pastors and teachers right after that. Does that make sense to you? Right? Uh, am I making sense to you? Does, is, that, is it piercing the void here? You know? Let's stop applying our past experience, get, let it get in the way of our theology. All right? You say, well, brother, I've just, 
You know, I, my grandmother loved the Old Testament and she taught me all about the prophets and they prophesied. Yes, they did. But they prophesied by the gifts of the Spirit of God. That makes them really, other than being in the office of a prophet, they're, they're no different than you or me. But I, I know I'm in, you know, I, I stand here and tell you humbly, I, I thank God I'm in the fivefold ministry. I thank God I fit in it. I'm glad to be your pastor. All right? I'm glad to be a pastor. And I know I am. I got a pastor's heart. I know how I feel about you. I feel about this church and about the future of this church. So I'm, I'm filling the office of a pastor. That's what God, that's the mantle God laid on my life. And whenever he wants to speak to me, he speaks to me. But I'm telling you, it ain't, I, I'm feeling with me 24 hours a day, but he, he doesn't, the Holy Ghost doesn't use me that way every day or whatever. And you know what? My feelings aren't hurt. But yet I'm open to anything God wants to do. Does that make sense? So number three is what is the word of wisdom many times confused with? Prophecy as it was identified in the Old Testament. That's what it gets confused with. Does that make sense? Now what kind of wisdom is James referring to in James uh, chapter 1 verse 5 where it says if any man lack wisdom what's he supposed to do? Ask God who gives liberally. Amen. But what kind of wisdom is that? That wisdom I dug and looked and dug and looked in every translation. And here's a phrase that I came up with to help you understand. That's wisdom in the affairs of life. If you lack wisdom in the affairs of life, ask God. In faith, not wavering. Amen? I mean, ask God and he gives liberally. He won't withhold it from you. He will give you wisdom in the affairs of life, but that's different than a word of wisdom. We got to quit confusing these things. All right? And crossing them up. Because it gives us an unclear picture. Is it bad to think of prophets prophesying in the Old Testament? No. Is it, is it maybe more accurate to look at them as men and women of God who were used by the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament in ways they didn't recognize? Everybody elevated the prophets and the prophetesses of the Old Testament because, man, uh, we love the supernatural. We love the supernatural. We'll line up for the supernatural. If Julia started kicking off gifts of the Spirit of God like I talked about earlier, people would flock to her. She wouldn't get any sleep. They'd drive her nuts. They'd want her to have little cards created to pass out. and She'd have to knock down her house and put up a circus tent. A thousand people would show up every night. Do you understand that that's why that doesn't happen all the time? That's exactly why. Because God's not going to elevate Julia. Uh, he's not going to elevate Julia that way. But he wants to use you, Julia, and he wants to use me. And let's quit trying to tell everybody, look, look, I, I, I mean, in my thinking today, I, I think, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a supernatural path, uh, I say supernatural, a natural path that's super, right? A supernatural path to the gifts of the Spirit would be being filled with the Holy Ghost overflowing and praying in tongues. But I've never read it in the Word of God where it had to happen first. I've never seen it. So I'm kind of rethinking a little bit that maybe, maybe, I just need to tell people, read the Word of God, do what the Word of God tells you to do. Amen? And get lined up with the, with the Scripture and get used by the Holy Ghost. Because what we've got is we've created a church within the church, and you don't find that in the Bible anywhere. You've got the church, and then you've got this circle of Pentecostals in the church. And the same Holy Ghost that filled those Pentecostals to overflowing and maybe they prayed in tongues, maybe they didn't. 
is the same Holy Ghost that came into the lives of all of these people in the big circle in the day they got saved. It's just a degree of measurement. That's all. Everybody ought to be happy that the day they got saved, the Holy Ghost came in and set up housekeeping. And if you don't believe that, that's why you haven't let him have every compartment of your life. You need to let him do that. Amen? I'm sorry for shotgunning some of this stuff, but you know, God doesn't leave me alone about this all week long. He just doesn't. That, it's a good thing. We must call spiritual gifts what the Bible calls them or we will become confused. That's why I've been saying what I've been saying. That's why I'm telling you, look at the prophets in the Old Testament differently from now on. They were men and women used by the Holy Ghost is what they were. And when they opened their mouth and talked about secrets behind closed doors is a word of knowledge. And when they talked about something that was coming in the future, they were just given a word of wisdom, which you are capable of being used by God for that if we would just let him. But once again, a lot of people don't get used in those two gifts because uh, they think, they began to think, they began to listen to the little voice that says, God used you that way because you're special. You're better than everybody else in the church. Everybody needs to look up to you. That's why as a pastor, the most dangerous words I've ever heard, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Pastor, why don't you recognize me for the spiritual person that I am? Why do you hold me back? Those are very deadly and dangerous words. And I've heard it numerous times in my life. I'm 64 years old. This isn't my first church I've ever pastored. All right? All right. But I will tell you that I haven't run into that here. I have no recollection of that happening in my time here. Anyone saying to me, why don't you recognize me for the, you know, the spiritual person that I am? That's the first clue you got that they're, the spirit, spiritual they are is not the right spirit. It's not the right spirit. Okay. Oh, wow. Let's see. All right. Oh, wow. Just... This is exciting. Okay, here we go. Okay, we've already talked about prophecy can be a vehicle by which God uses. Anyone that stands up in the church and opens their mouth, someone could stand up and say, you know, uh, warn the church and say, listen, God says that if we don't stop doing such and such, it's displeasing to him. He's going to take his hand of blessing off of this church. And everybody look at it. And I'm telling you, when someone does that, when they stand up and open their mouth and start talking, you know, people know. That's not God. Or we better listen to this. We better listen to this. This is God speaking to us, all right? All right, uh, word of knowledge and a word of wisdom, both being used in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Listen to this. Uh, John on the Isle of Patmos, we already talked about that in a previous lesson. When the Lord spoke to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos, it was in the form of a vision, right? Jesus appeared to him in his vision and told him about the present condition of the seven churches in Asia Minor. Did not those seven churches exist that day? They did, didn't they? And God spoke, Jesus spoke in a vision to John about the spiritual condition of those churches and then started talking about the future of those seven churches. So what do we have in manifestation here through the vision? We have a word of knowledge being given by the Holy Ghost uh, to John on the Isle of Patmos about the present day condition of the church. 
that John would have no way of knowing unless Jesus told him through the Spirit of God, right? And then when the conversation switched over to the future of those churches, it changed and ceased from being a word of knowledge to a word of what? A word of wisdom. Because God started revealing things about the future of those seven churches. So we look, we, we think, we go, ooh, John. And John was special, was he not? Do you know why John was on the Isle of Patmos? Does anybody here know why he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos? You can't? What did you say? All right. It wasn't a Caribbean cruise or anything that took him there. <laughs> Listen to me. There's every, anybody ever heard of Fox's Book of Martyrs? In Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's a book this thick, and I could not give you scripture and verse in there for it. But the one thing that you could count on about their historical books in Rome, in the empire, they recorded everything. They recorded everything. And, and they talked a lot about the martyring of Christians. The apostles were in there. Do you know that there was a follower of Christ that was exiled to an island because the Roman Empire could not kill him? Did you know that? The Bible doesn't talk about it because John wouldn't even mention it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. It just says that there was a man... There was exiled to the Isle of Patmos because the Roman Empire could not kill him. And he was the disciple of love. Very powerful disciple. Very powerful apostle. So, God had a purpose for him on that island, right? Got him all isolated. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He said, and I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Don't you think that if you were in prison on some island, you're never going to get off that island, that you, you might skip a Sunday or you might skip a service. You understand what I'm saying? Because you don't feel so good. I don't really feel like going to church today. But he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he had a vision. The vision that kicked off the book of Revelation was while he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he had a vision, right? And God began to speak all these things to him. And it was because of the Holy Spirit and his gifts. It's not, it wasn't something so different and so alien and so special that it could never happen to you. That you could never have a vision. Amen? You could, couldn't you? Some people have, haven't they? All right. So, you have, you have uh, John on the Isle of Patmos. You have Ananias, Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. You know what I love about that? He didn't go, who's there? <laughs> he, he didn't ask a question. He knew exactly who was talking to him. So I get the idea this isn't the first time Ananias had been talked to by the Holy Ghost. Ananias, he said, here am I, Lord. The Lord said to him, rise and go to a street called Straight. At the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. Now, so what was that? He gave him a word of knowledge. Did, did Ananias have any way of knowing there was a man on the street named Straight and that he was praying at that very moment and who he was? No. But what was happening behind closed doors? God revealed by the power of spirit and vision to Ananias. And it says, he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him. So now what's he talking about? He had shifted into a word of wisdom because this is the future, all right? 
And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might again uh, regain his sight. Powerful. Powerful. And I, am I not right? Uh, it says down in verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name uh, before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So in other words, this isn't the last word of wisdom I'm ever going to give you or give Paul about his future. And not all of it was going to be good. Not every word that comes out of the mouth of the Holy Ghost is dripping with honey. Do you understand what I just said? All right, because I'm going to prove it to you later. How about Philip? Acts 8, verse 26 through 21. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court of, official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. That's a word of knowledge. That's all what God did. God gave him word of knowledge. Right now, you're going to get up, you're going to go over there and join him and his chariot. Two important notes to be considered here. One is that according to Acts chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, and the twelve summoned the full number of his disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we'll uh, appoint to this duty. So, in other words, it, and then bounce down to verse 5, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and we know what happened to him, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parnas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Why? So they could wait on tables. That, that's what a deacon did in the early church. They were taking care of the business that the apostles said, we can't give up time praying and, and hearing from God to wait on tables. Let's appoint faithful people to do that. So we know that this Philip was one of those guys, right? So when Philip became a deacon, God was already talking to him about things like going to the eunuch and things like that. Now, Philip was a deacon, one who waited on tables. But later, way down, jump way down to Acts 21, verse 8. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. Please forgive me because this always grabs me when I see things like this. Remember the deacon? On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist. He was faithful to God, and he was no longer a deacon. Now he filled one of the offices, one of the ministry gifts in the church. He was an evangelist. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven. One of the seven. Remember the seven that got chosen? But now he's no longer just a deacon. If you're a deacon in this church, do not belittle that job. It should be a stepping stone to whatever else God has for you. 
even if it's to be a deacon for the rest of your life. But listen to God. Isn't that wonderful? And, and what, what do you suppose could have been the difference? Why? Because it doesn't say that Philip called himself an evangelist. It says here that Luke did. Because Luke wrote this. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist because by then it was commonly known. Why? Because Philip hung a sign on himself, on himself and said, I have one of the ministry gifts. I'm an evangelist. He didn't have to do that. He had the fruit hanging all over him. Because the gifts of the Spirit of God marked him. They marked him, right? It's all right for the Holy Ghost to raise you up in the eyes of the people. It's just not all right for you to assume he's doing it. Matter of fact, it should not even be one of the desires of your heart. One of the desires of your heart should be to be used by God and never be recognized for it. And I'm telling you, fruit will hang all over you. You know, just ask God to help you handle it properly. All right? You know, okay with you if I stop right there? We've been going a while. All I'm going to do is ask uh, Sylvia, if you come to the piano, just play. That's all we're going to do. She's going to play. I, I, don't you just love the sound of a piano? And I'm going to pray for us. Yes, Sylvia. You know, Noe's got some gifts he's about to unfold too. He, you know, that, that's a faith statement, Noe. I, I, but I just know it's true. Look, I, if I've said anything, she's going to play. If I've said anything that's alarmed you today or concerned you, I can tell you that pastors that will, if they're going to be obedient to God, they're going to open their mouth once in a while and they're going to take your feathers and they're going to start at the wrong end and they're going to rub every one of them the wrong way. Every once in a while, you need those feathers lifted and you need to shake them out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And, and let God change the things in our life that we have assumed. And this is the toughest thing I've ever told anybody. But I said one time, listening to someone talk about something from the Bible, I said, where in the world did you get that? And they said, well, my grandmother taught it to me. And I had to say, well, you need to say thank you, grandmother, but, and however, that's not what the Word of God says. Now, that's a hard thing for a preacher to say to somebody that, one of the things their grandmother taught them, but that was their grandmother's experience. But it was totally and completely contrary to the Word of God, and I don't care who you are. If you're doing something contrary to the Word of God, and I know it, and I don't say a word, you know, we've come this far without knowing everything we know about the Holy Ghost, but look where we're at. We need to go further. We need to go deeper. We need to do better. Amen? All right. How many of you want the Lord to touch you in this area of your life? Knowledge of the Holy Ghost. Well, then stand up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you so very much. I want to thank you for one of the sweetest hours and a half I've had in a long time, Father. Lord, you've been so good to us. And, uh, you know, it's been so long since we've uh, enjoyed as a body a sweet and precious move and of the uh, powerful spirit that you are, Father. That sometimes we don't even know how to act. We don't even know what to do. We don't even know what you want us to do. Break through that, Father. You don't want us to be uninformed. Show us what you want. And Lord, we want to be empowered by your Spirit. We're inviting them in. 
to gift us with the knowledge of what to do to give you everything you want in our lives. We want to obey you. We want, with all of our hearts, to be repentant, Father, pliable in your hands. Mold us, shape us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord. Father, I want to thank you. There's more than one person in this room that represents the office gifts uh, that you gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Father, you raise them up in Jesus' name. You hang the fruit on them, Father. And may we be very careful to give you all the glory and the honor and praise for what you're using us for in this world, Father. May we always give you that glory and honor and praise for it. For we cannot take credit other than yielding to you to get ourselves out of the way and make room for your spirit to flow and go, Father. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our worship services. Father, I think you want us to pursue you for more. Because you want us to ask you for things that the devil would try to tell us is impossible. But Father, I think it's an insult to you for asking anything less than the impossible, Lord. Because you specialize in the impossible. Lord, we don't want to waste time together forgetting that uh, you've given us the name of Jesus to claim our city. And to come against the powers of darkness that think they're in control, that they're in charge. We come against the powers of darkness in Jesus' name. And thank you, Father, for leading, guiding, and directing us. And how we come against them. We want to do it in wisdom, in humility, and faith, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for every home represented in this place. Uh, may we walk through the front door and sense that you're there waiting on us, Father. May everyone who enters the door of our homes... Sense the precious and powerful presence of your spirit, Father, loving them, setting them free, healing them, Father, saving the lost, Father, most importantly. Father, last ring Bible church, may we exist only for you, Father. We thank you for all the good and fun things you let us do and help us do. And, but we thank you most of all for helping us to see the lost saved, the hungry fed, Father, the homeless housed somehow, some way, Father. Hook us up, link us up with all those ministries out there that are helping to provide those blessings so that they can see Jesus in a lost and dying world. Mm. Father, I pray for Quita, and I pray for Raymond. You know, Quita's in one part of the country and Raymond's in another part of the country. Both of them suffering the same types of attacks in their lives. Father, mm. They know about you, Lord. They know of your love. They know of your grace. They know of your power. Father, set them free, I pray in Jesus' name. Mm. Show them, show them, Father, what you're doing in their lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, may it be undeniable, Lord. May they yield to all that you desire for them, Father. Thank you for healing them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, it says in your word that you give us love, power, and a sound mind. Thank you for doing that for them now in Jesus' name. Watch over us as we depart from this place today. May we continue to give you glory and honor in all that we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. One more time. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Fellowship together before you leave today.